we're not quite clear on what the next three to six to 12 months are going to look like, but it's not time to sit back and coast or wait. It, it is time to start accelerating. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Innovation was not a word many were throwing around in 2020. Survival was more the word of the day. Yet many companies did innovate. Some innovated to survive. As we turn the calendar to 2021, leading organizations are looking to innovate to thrive. This is your host, Jeff Tun. On this episode of Status Go, we are going to talk creativity, innovation, and thriving. Our guest is Dana Beal, business lead for Disher, a nationally recognized product development, talent attraction, and business consulting firm. Welcome to the show, Dana. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Man, I am excited to talk with you about this topic today. Innovation definitely was kind of down, but not out this past year. And now there's definitely a lot of pent-up demand for innovation. We're working with lots of companies to get them geared up and ready to go. So, hey, where should we start the conversation today? Well, I'd love for you to take a moment and give our listeners a bit of your story. You've been with Disher for over 20 years. So tell us the Disher story and where you come into it. And uh, and then we'll dive into creativity and innovation. Hey, that, that sounds great. Actually, the story starts in college. Jeff Disher and I were um, housemates in college. And we both kind of then went on our own path for about 10 years. And then um, Jeff decided that he, he wanted to start his own company. At the time, he was a chief engineer at the Prince Corporation, a major tier one automotive supplier. And he was a, a rising star there and doing really well, but he just decided he wanted to, to start his own company. So what was kind of unique was he he's a very intentional guy. And so he actually created a board of advisors before the company started. He picked me and a couple other guys that were successful business guys and, and started um, planning for things like the mission statement and the values and what was the company going to stand for even before it had any customers. <laughs> so he was he was pretty innovative at the time <laughs> to uh, think about how he was going to start this this company. And it started with just him, just one guy. But since then, it's grown to uh, we're well over 100 people now and um, a lot of professional engineers and designers. And we, we help companies ideate, engineer, launch products. Um, we work in mobility, medical, consumer products, aerospace. Our main office is in Zeeland, Michigan, but we also have an office in Indianapolis down on, on Mass Avenue over by oh, yeah. the Bakersfield yeah. Restaurant. If you've ever been there, we're right across the street from them. So it, it's great to be like from the Midwest, but serving companies around the country and around the world. So it's really grown yeah, a lot yeah. since Jeff started the company. For those uh, of our listeners who have not heard of Zealand, Michigan, where <laughs> where in Michigan is that? Well, if you could see my hand, I would be holding up <laughs> the mitten of my hand. Yes, the mitten of Michigan. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. and, and I'm pointing over on the left middle. It's kind of near Grand Rapids, but it's right on okay. the, the coast of Lake Michigan, uh, just a little bit west of Grand Rapids. 
Have you seen the mitten before? Have you seen people do I, that? I have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a great way to describe it, isn't it? Gives people a great visual. So creativity, let, let's start there. It's a word that flies in the face of the stereotypical technology professional. Yet I'm always surprised by the number of tech pros who have some sort of creative release in their background. It might be music, art, writing, whatever it is. And the realization that technology itself requires a great deal of creativity. Dana, thinking back on 2020, what were some of the creative things that you saw companies do to deal with everything the year threw at them? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you things that we had to, to deal with and deal with fast. We literally had like a day to respond to some of our customers who said, uh, we no longer have work for you guys on site at our business. Because usually we would have our engineers and designers would work on site at our customers. Yeah. And they said because of COVID and stay at home, they couldn't go in to their office anymore. So like in a day, we had to pivot quickly. Now, fortunately, we were using tools like Teams and SharePoint, and that allowed us to organize our information, our files, our data. But, but the thing was, how do we collaborate, you know, with each other yeah, and with our yeah. customers? And so we, we use some additional technology tools like Mural, which is an online collaboration system. And we kind of immediately figured out how to use that so we could collaborate with our customers. Or you can like upload things like sketches, images, videos, animations, um, digital post-it notes, voting on different ideas. And so we just started using that all of the time and our customers started getting comfortable with using that. And so you could actually do sessions that have dozens of people collaborating together. Uh, one example is just, just uh, yesterday, we had an event with one of our customers. They're based in Sweden and we had participants from, let's see, Indiana, Rhode Island, Seattle, Santa Clara, um, Zeeland, Michigan, like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. And, and it worked out great. What was cool is the company said they thought it was actually more effective than an in-person meeting because of some of the extra tools that you can use in clumping and voting. And uh, they also said, of course, they saved lots of money yeah. and time by not traveling. So there was like oh, a yeah. huge benefit you know, from that. So pros and cons, but the pros are, I think, are outweighing the cons uh, in this case. Well, and it sounds like not only were you able to, to pivot as disher, but you help your clients deal with some of that as well. And uh, for our listeners, we'll put a link in the show notes to Mural. I've heard of that tool. I've not used it myself yet, but I've heard great things about that tool. And so we'll put a link in the show notes for that. So let's turn our attention to 2021 and beyond. Companies are demanding innovative solutions. I've, I've seen reports out of uh, McKinsey, just released a, a great report a couple of weeks ago that uh, stated in the CEOs that they surveyed, over half are now looking at technology and their technology departments to be a driver of differentiation. That's going to take innovation. So I know you love to talk about creating a culture of innovation. I've had the privilege of, of chatting with you before, as well as taking a run through one of your uh, 
presentations that you did on the topic. So what are the key components for creating this culture of innovation? Yeah, we've kind of highlighted three main components that we think are, are real important for creating a, a culture of innovation. And and the first one is, is it's a, a team that's dedicated to this topic. They're creative collaborators and they're dedicated to do that. They're, they've been um, assigned to do this and given the time to be able to focus on, on creativity. The next one is a proven process. There are ways to be able to do good innovation and to accelerate innovation, but it definitely takes some structure, some process to be able to do it well. And the third one is then for the company to be able to uh, empower this team and really unleash them so they can really move and maneuver and be be nimble um, to, to do the innovation. It's a, like they're like innovation ninjas, <laughs> you know, that yeah, can really yeah, yeah. be charged with go, do, attack, surprise, you know, and try things. So that's those are kind of the three main things that, that we focus on. If you get down to it, it's about the people and it's about how to encourage and empower the people to feel confident and trusted and empowered to be able to do that. Um, And they work together, you know, like a SWAT team that has a tough mission to to uh, conquer and and they're they're doing it together and they have honest conversations about which ideas are are, are best. And and they're they might even be harsh sometimes uh, Mm -hmm. to really pursue the best possible ideas and and maybe the last key ingredient is failure they need to be allowed to fail because in failure you learn a lot about what you need to do and you can be inspired by it but you need to to uh, fail fast <laughs> and yeah. keep moving yeah. forward because there's not time um you know so yeah so those are kind of the, the things we look at creative collaborators a proven process and then unleashing that team of innovation ninjas and I, I love the phrase that you used uh, as you were describing this on our call a couple of weeks ago, the, the collisions of creative ideas. I thought that brought to mind exactly kind of the environment that you're trying to create in all of this. So creative collaborators, a process of innovation, and my grandson's favorite, unleash your ninjas. Uh, He would get a kick out of that, let me tell you. Uh, He actually made, uh, we're recording this for our audience, we're recording this uh, just before Christmas in uh, the end of 2020. And uh, he and my wife actually made gingerbread ninjas. So just, (laughs) it's a thing. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) let's, uh, let's double click into each one of those and start with how do you create a team of creative collaborators? Well, you, you got to invest in building that kind of community and, you know, leadership needs to believe and be committed to investing in a community that is going to really enable, you know, these innovation ninjas to have the freedom to be able to explore and develop and, and try, try new things. Um, Tim Cook, you know, that probably best example, he's, he's the CEO of Apple and he has a great viewpoint. He has, he talks about the secret sauce of innovation. And the, a quote from him goes like this. He says that he has never met anyone that could do something that incredible or magical all by themselves. <laughs> so now you would think at Apple, well, a lot of smart designers and, and all these independent inventors. But he's, he 
says the problem is that things can get bureaucratic and there can be a lot of ego um, in environments like that. So he looks for people who are not political bureaucrats. They, they don't care about getting the credit or their name and lights. They, they celebrate great achievements, but usually privately and quietly. Yeah, they're, they're smart. You see, he says they need to be wicked smart, but they really appreciate different points of view from other people. So it's really being intentional how to create this culture of, of, of a community of people that work well together and trust each other. Isn't it great when you have uh, people on your team? I love that the description of wicked smart. Uh, it's just, uh, to me, those people just make everybody else on the team smarter and better. And uh, I can remember, you know, looking back on some of the past teams that I've been on and just you enjoy talking with those people because you walk out of the room feeling like you learned so much from them. And typically uh, they're the they're the humble people in the room, which gets yeah. to your other point about they don't care about credit or having their name in light. So I, I love that description. So I know on this podcast, we don't have the benefit of visuals, although the mitten for Michigan was fantastic. So, uh, <laughs> I'm going to challenge you further with your visualizations. And could you describe Disher's customer-centric innovation process? Because I think that was that's a great way to conceptualize the process that you go through. Okay, we'll try it. So imagine this. <laughs> imagine that you, you have like like a big circle and there's five sub circles they stop at start at the top and then they just kind of go around clockwise and in in each one of those there's there's a word that describes the human-centered design process but what is in the center is the user it's a silhouette of the user that could be a customer it could be a soccer mom it could be a truck driver it could be anyone who is the user and human-centered design is all about focusing on understanding the pain points of that user and then how to solve those particular pain points that they might have. So the five steps, number one is empathy, is to, is to understand the feelings and the frustrations of the user. Moving along to the right, define the problem that they're facing, move down to the bottom, ideate solutions that can meet their needs, move around to the left, build a prototype, um, actually build lots of prototypes. And five is to test with end users and to keep learning from them. And you, you might actually go around this, this uh, circle three, four, 10, 15 times until you really are solving the pain points and understanding how to solve the pain points, you know, for that that user. Hopefully that helps a little bit with that little yeah. description. Yeah, I think I think that's great. Now, I have the benefit of having seen that visual before, but I think our listeners are able to really conceptualize that. I think one of the, the key things that stands out for me in that process is the word empathy. It's not mm -hmm. really a word we use a lot, although it is growing in leadership circles, but it's not one that we use a lot when we think about engineering, product development, product design. So do you find people that are naturally gifted in empathy or are you able to teach people that skill as they're working with customers or even on the customer side that you're working with? I think it's very hard for corporate people to 
to empathize with the needs of the user. The things that get in the way are that they think they know. <laughs> they, they're already developing a product line and they're generating profitability from it. And so there's pressure to just keep doing more of the same. You, you, you might have some smart people who, who think they know better than users and they just start developing yeah. in what they think is needed. So I, I think it's hard. And so I think it is a skill that um, can be taught and it's an appreciation that, that people need to have. So an example is we were working with, uh, with an organization that um, was dealing with things in the bathroom and, and it could be faucets or, or sinks, et cetera. And we said, well, who is your typical user of this and what are their needs? And they're like, oh, we already understand everything about them. And, and, we, okay, and we said, well, let's make sure we do. So we did role playing. We actually had five sinks in the room and we had five teams of four people. And each team of four people, we assigned a role. The mom, the dad, the 17-year-old daughter, and the 13-year-old son. Plus, we had a bonus. Some people were the company dog. And we had all those five people <laughs> pretend that they were in the morning routine of everybody had to get ready for school or work by eight o'clock and everybody was in the bathroom at the exact same time. So we did all this role playing and they were like, oh my gosh, we had no idea what it really is like, you know, as we think about it, you know, what, what the products and needs are for these users. So they had a whole different level of empathy once we kind of made them play the role, <laughs> you know, of, of that user. I bet that was kind of fun as a process. There was toothpaste everywhere. <laughs> um, there, there were there were water fights. You know, there, uh -huh. there yeah. it was a mess, but it was a good mess that helped us understand <laughs> what the users were going through. Something you don't uh, learn in the classroom about uh, product <laughs> development is how to right. clean up toothpaste after a after an <laughs> exercise like that. But I think that's a great point, and it's one that you know one of the things that comes to mind when we think about that is um, I used to be uh, chief information officer for Goodwill. And I know our, our listeners have, have heard me talk about that experience many times, but you know, we designed a great rewards card system where when you shop, you got, you got uh, rewarded when you donated, you got rewarded Cool. But for the donations. It required you to hand your rewards card to the donation attendant. They had to go inside, swipe the card, and uh, that's how we track donations. And we thought it was fabulous until we went out to the donation door and watched on a summer afternoon when all the garage sales were ending and people were bringing the leftovers to Goodwill and the line of cars was 20, 20 deep. Those donation attendants did not have time to mm. take people's cards and go in and do that. We never would have seen that if we hadn't been there and to feel it, I guess. Yeah, like, right. Sometimes you have to be in people's shoes. And I love the exercise of, of putting people in the uh, around the bathroom sink to experience <laughs> that firsthand. That was a great way of doing it. So now it's time for uh, the ninjas, uh, my grandson's favorite. Let's talk ninjas. What do they have to do with innovation in business? Yes, the ninjas. Um, the ninjas is, is like the mindset. It's the attitude of people who are really in this culture of innovation and really um, really being energized to develop you know, new and innovative products. I didn't make up this term. 
Um, it, though it, it was kind of made up by a guy named Gary Shapiro, and he is the president of the Consumer Electronics Show, the huge show in Las Vegas every year where I go every year with a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And he, he wrote two books, and which were both about this concept of, of being a ninja, innovation ninjas, the future of innovation ninjas. And he made this very compelling comment that said that every organization needs to innovate or die. Just kind of this brutal statement yeah. that kind of says, if, if you're not innovating, you're, you're dying. And so you, you need to be able to build the culture that way. So another interesting point is he didn't make up that phrase. That phrase came <laughs> from Peter Drucker 40 years ago. Drucker years, said that? Yeah, he did. Innovate wow. or die. Wow. So it's this issue of continuous improvement, you know, and, and you have to be on the edge of what's next all the time. Um, and so this mindset of, of being a ninja. So Gary happens to be a, a black belt himself. So this concept of ninja makes a lot of sense to him. And he shared it in his book. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the mindset of a ninja, they, they train hard. They practice great discipline. They act with confidence. They move with lightning speed. They use the act of surprise. Um, they're still very strategic, yeah. but they're adaptable to whatever kind of the competition brings up. They also seem to survive battles against all odds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and in some ways, they kind of they create rumors that kind, kind of scare the competition. Oh, no, they're lurking about. I heard they're doing this or that. What is so-and-so doing? So it could even kind of create some brand equity for an organization if they're known for kind of having these innovation ninjas. Um, so, so we all need a team yeah. of, of ninjas. You know, otherwise... You know, if we don't innovate, we're, we're going to die. Yeah, and, and that's a great visual. So do you use that visual of the ninja with your with your teams? Do they, I, I don't know, wear T-shirts, whatever, that they kind of get in that mindset to help them drive that? Absolutely. For us, our version is the SWAT team. So 20 years ago, when Jeff started the company, he's like, I want to have a team of people who are like a SWAT team. So if you think about, you know, the, like in the back of the truck and they're on their way you know, to some emergency that's happening and they're not quite sure what's going to happen when they get there, but they're totally equipped when they do. And then the doors open and our team piles out and they quickly assess the situation and um, they act quickly and they have a sense of confidence that they're going to figure out what to do and to be able to serve our, our customer with whatever needs they have. So for us, it's, it's the SWAT team. For um, Best Buy, they have the Geek Squad. Right. Apple has the Genius Bar. Yep. Um, what, what are some others? Um, Zappos um, has uh, the School of Wow. So different companies have kind yeah. of their version of ninjas. Um, and ours, ours happens to be the, the SWAT team metaphor is the one that we use. Yeah, I'm, I'm visualizing that, was it the 1970s, 1980s show SWAT, right? The I remember that right. as a kid, but that also has to help in a different area. As you were describing that SWAT team concept and the way that you implement it there at Disher, it it probably helps with employee engagement as well because that just sounds exciting. I, mean, I was ready to it is. volunteer and say, "Hey, I want to bust out of the truck too, man." So, so it's it's got to help on that side of it as well. Our team loves it. They love the energy that it creates. There's actually a little 
little pressure, a little anxiety, you know, the, the stakes are high, you know, when, our, when customers, you know, come to us and say, we, we need help developing a new product that's going to be more competitive and more profitable. And we need to have it launched by the next Christmas season. And there's pressure with that. But, you know, if, if you're prepared, if you've trained well, if you have subject matter experts with the right attitude, it's like, come on, let's go. Let's, let's go at it. We'll do it together. We're going to conquer this thing. So as you're working with your clients, are you teaching them these three concepts that we've talked about today so that they're able to build those kinds of environments, cultures themselves in their companies? We do. The key is kind of the appetite for it from from senior leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, will, will they allow for it? Do they see the benefit you know, of it? Because it is, it is kind of hard if, if someone's in the middle of an organization and it's a large organization and if there's a lot of status quo, resistance, um, mm-hmm. fear of failure, there's not investment in, in money or time in this. It, it's hard, you know, for, for people to, to try to act and be this way. So they really need the support, you know, from, from leadership um, to be able to do this. So it's partly about encouraging leadership to embrace this and then it is teaching the tools um, to the people who are, are doing it every day on, on the front line um, yeah. and how to do it well we, yeah we, we definitely do that it's we, we, we love equipping other people to be able to do it for sure well and I, I think those are skills and mindsets and cultures that will serve the business as well in 2021 and definitely beyond 2021 as things continue to evolve. And again, I think that same McKinsey report talked about the adoption of some of the retail technology and the compression that we've experienced this year. Uh, They talk about we've had 10 years of adoption in three months when you look at some of the retail technologies and businesses are going to have to innovate or die as as Drucker said, who knew? Um, and uh, I think that's a great way to help them learn how to help themselves. I think what people are realizing or what they have to face is kind of the, the life cycle of a, of a product or the life cycle of a season of the economy. You know, so if you think about a, a bell curve, you know, it mm-hmm. starts low on the left and that curves up, peaks high in the middle, and, and then down off off to the right. Every product, every economy you know, season kind of goes through that kind of a, of a bell curve. And where, you know, you, you start by the early adopters have to try something new, and mm-hmm. then it, it starts to move up, and it starts to gain some acceptance, and then the mass market embraces it and uses it. But then it typically starts to die off, and it, it loses yeah. momentum. And starts to drift down, and products can kind of start declining as as they become more mature, or technology changes again. So you have new technology, and it comes up the curve, and everybody embraces it, but then it kind of wanes for a while because something new is always happening, or there's something that you have to face in the market that you might not have a choice. And so the last year, we're getting faced with things we don't have a choice to deal with. So the, the question is, when do you start innovating on the next thing, the next version? And it really needs to be when you're, when you're on the upside of the curve before it starts to peak and it starts to decline. 
So you always kind of have to be ahead of the curve and willing, you know, to, to develop or try, you know, the next new thing. So even as Disher, we're already looking at new tools that we're going to be using in the first quarter. And we're already thinking about things that we have to do to stay ahead of that curve. And so same with our customers, we're, we're helping them uh, be thinking that way as well. I mean, do, do you see a lot of that with them? The whole issue of you know, when do you start innovating yeah. again? Yeah. I think that's great. And uh, I love talking about the curve this way than the way we've been talking about a curve. Oh, that's true. You're right. For, for the entire year. So rather than flattening the curve, we're looking for how do we continue to grow the curve. And, and I love that because uh, way back in the day, way, way back in the day, I was a, I was a runner and I used to run in, in 5Ks and 10Ks uh, on the on street courses, right? And they, they always wow. told you the time to attack, so to speak, is going uphill. Uh, right. I've heard that, you know, because everybody is struggling to reach the top. And if you can push and lean in during that time, you're going to pass a lot of people and then downhill, you're going to be flying. So the first part of that analogy works where uh, what you're saying is as you're going uphill, as you're still climbing that innovation, it's time to innovate again. Right. And I think that plays well with the concept of a team that's set aside to do that work, right? Because then they can move on to the next thing. Is that how you see that fitting in? I think that running example is exactly right. Also, because it's harder to accelerate yeah. when, when you're going uphill. Yes, it is. You know, and we all have felt like we've been going uphill for the last nine months. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's not we're not quite clear on what the next three to six to twelve months are going to look like, but it's not time to sit back and coast or wait. It it is time to start accelerating yep. even as we're moving in, you know, to, to the next the next quarter or two. And it might feel like move moving uphill and it might seem might even seem premature because the market isn't exactly asking for what's next. But six months from now, they will be. Yeah, you know, so you, you got to be ready for when the market is ready. Absolutely. For those things, so it's like now now's the time to push. You know, in the next in the next month, you know, even to be developing plans for Q1, two Q, you know, Q2, and where where teams of people can be accelerating, you know, with innovation. Now's the time. Well, and I think I think you're exactly right. I think it's the companies that do that now are the ones that we're going to be talking about at the end of 2021 as success stories. Those that those that leaned in and and innovated when our natural inclination is to rest because we've been through so much. And you said something a, a few minutes ago, Dana, that I think I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the soundbite off of that because it was it's a perfect lead into my next question, because you you were talking about organizations who don't want to get stuck in the status quo, and those are the ones that need to innovate. They need to be ready to invest, and that's really what Status Go, the podcast, is all about. That's where we got our name from. It's for those who want to sure. break out of the status quo. So I'm going to steal that soundbite and use that in some of our promotion. But what I'd love for you to do right now, because we are all about action, we really want to leave our listeners with some actions that they can take tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today. 
other than dressing up as ninjas, because I'm going to do that myself. But in all seriousness, <laughs> what are some of the actions that our listeners can take because they listen to us today? Okay, two, two thoughts on that. One is we have a process called called the whiteboard process. And it's, a, it's an hour-long process where we do brainstorming for an hour. And there's, there's five points to being able to do a good one-hour um, brainstorming session. And it's, it's just providing a little bit of structure to be able to enable brainstorming to, to be the best that, that it can be. So it's just simply it's previewing the situation of, of what we're going to do with a group of people. We're going to define the problem. We're going to play to get creative. Then we're going to create possibilities and then we're going to pick the best possibilities. Sounds simple, but if you have the right facilitator who can work through that process in an hour long, the outcome typically is over a hundred ideas mm. that can be organized within an hour. And then we usually get narrow it down to the top five or so. And then uh, there's a lot of value to the five, but then the other 95, they still provide this great context um, to support the top five. So let me be a little more specific is to pick a cross-functional team of people and to say, Hey, I'm going to challenge you guys with a problem. And it might be a known problem and everybody knows about this problem. It's like, hey, it's time to deal with that problem. And then say, I want you guys to understand the needs of the user around this problem. Then I want to challenge you to come up with a hundred potential solutions within a week. So don't make this like a multi-month thing. Say, hey, within a week, get together. You guys come up with a hundred ideas. I believe you can do them. Tell them those ideas would have like unlimited time and budget. So they can really dream and think big. It's, yeah. it's about divergent thinking, not convergent. And just tell them if you're going to implement those, that nothing in the organization is going to stand in their way. They really could do these so they can believe in, in these yeah. ideas. Tell them you don't care if, if they might fail to be able to do these and that they can act like a team of ninjas and that you're going to unleash them to get out of the way. So the whole point here is to encourage them that, these new ideas really have potential because mm -hmm. I think typically organizations say, hey, come up with something good. But if it, if it costs too much and if it takes too much time, yeah. we're not going to do it. So so get in a different mindset to say, hey, I really want to unleash you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at these ideas. It removes the barriers, right? It removes the barriers to the creativity. Right. I love that. Dana, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I really appreciate it. I think. For our listeners, this is going to be a great way to start thinking differently in 2021 for many of them. And I really appreciate your insights on this. So, so thank you. My pleasure. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, we'll include a link to the mural tool that uh, Dana mentioned. This is Jeff Tun for Dana Beal. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.